Welcome back to the choir room. We are here today to do your favorite podcast of every season. Or maybe it's not yours, but I think it's mine. Uh, it's pretty consistent. We have it every season. So by default, I think that makes it my favorite. Um, we are here to talk about everything from season four, the characters, the storylines, the songs, the stars, the slushies, all of it from top to bottom. So we have a lot to go over today. And just to set you guys up, of course, as always, um, we always have a spoilery spoiler, the, the spoiler ban that I guess we usually try to keep going on the regular episode recaps of, you know, major plot things in the future. We tend to lift that on these. So if you are not fully caught up with, you know, seasons five and six, if this is the first time through, uh, take, you know, proceed with caution uh, for today. But um, of course, let me welcome in my talented, lovely, amazing singing that you've heard many times throughout this season co-host. I'm on Adwin. How you doing? Adwin? Yay! Season four! We're at the end! We did it, bitch! Excited to talk about all of our uh, all of our stars and slushy ratings and favorite songs, all that jazz. It's going to be fun. All that jazz, yes. Um, we were pretty hyped to get to this season, and we are now done, which, again, we've talked about a couple times so far, how quickly that went, so that was insane. But I mean, 22 episodes, yeah, a couple weeks, it flies by. Um, As we, you know, we were obviously very excited. We went through the season and we'll get to shortly about all of our slushy ratings and how those lined up with other seasons. But just gut instinct, uh, how did you feel coming out of season four compared to how you felt when we were going into it? A little sad to be moving on because we're just, I mean, we're getting close to the end in general, but I enjoyed um the rewatch, I feel like I've really been able to pinpoint why the season was so enjoyable for me. And I think it's, I mean, it, obviously we talk about how it's a big shift from the first three seasons, but I honestly feel like seasons five and six are so different from what we usually get with Glee that um, in a lot of ways, I feel like four is a, a little bit of like the last bit of like the heyday in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Season four obviously kicks off the new era that we've talked so much about and leads into seasons five. And then season six is kind of its own animal. I feel like four and five tends to be, you know, the uh, the tie there. I I feel like we'll we'll get more into that as, you know, we get towards the end of season five and start to transition into the new era where they, you know, focus all in on New York. And uh, we're going to eventually say goodbye to all of these kids that we just met about halfway through the season, which is such a strange way that they went with that. But, you know, we'll we'll break it all down when we get there. But yeah, we uh, we I think think I agree with what you said. Um, sad to have been, uh, you know, finished with season four, season four already. Uh, it does, you know, it has a lot of good stuff in there. I think season four for me is the one that has the most songs that I love to just listen to. And that doesn't mean my favorite songs, like my favorite number, you know, my, my top 30 songs, are, you know, from Glee or in this season or anything like that. It's just, you know, all those songs that are at the end of the episodes that we talked about over and over again, there are so many just very good numbers like so so many like you know whether it's the top 40 or whatever like they they fed us well with the music this season 
they did. We really got a, a bunch of new directions, numbers, um, some voices that we haven't heard before are all over this. Like we got a lot of writer, we got a lot of unique in here. Obviously, Marley and Jake. Um, so it's it's a, it's a really fresh batch of songs. I was listening to the entire um, album about two days ago, and yeah, it's I agree with everything you just said. It's it's really easy listening. It really is. Um, it's got so much good music. Like my my personal music uh, document that has been referenced a couple of times is like probably the biggest for season four because I don't put everything on there. I just put songs that I really enjoy uh, in one way or another. So if it's a song that I'm like, eh, I really don't need to you know, focus in on this, I keep it off. So my season four list is pretty long. But yeah, so uh, the usual format that we're, we usually go with on this, of course, is we're going to first start off talking about all the different characters based on how many gold stars they got. We'll go in kind of uh, that order and talk about everybody in one way or another. You know, we're not going to focus in on every single person as much as others, but we're going to talk about the characters. Afterwards, we will talk about our slushy ratings. And then eventually at the end, uh, everybody's favorite segment, we will, you know, get into our favorite songs from the season, our top 10, depending on who's going with their list. So uh, yeah, a lot to get into. And um, anything else before we dive into the gold stars? Yeah, I think we're all set. All right. Well, this season had double the characters. I don't know about double the characters. Definitely a lot of new characters introduced. Probably, you know, we did say goodbye to a couple. Uh, the alumni moved on and we had some new kids joining in. Not every alumni member was able to be back in the mix for the full season, but most of them still were able to stop by. Uh, you know, supporting characters come and go. Guest stars come and go. So we do have, you know, we're kind of all over the place this season. Do you have a guess, I always ask you this, as to which character got the most gold stars in this season? I feel like this one is easier than pa uh, past seasons. I think it's Santana this season? Yes. Yeah, that's why uh, That's why I figured it'd be easier. Because I remember a couple episodes back when we gave Santana some stars and you made a comment about how we're just padding her pockets this season. We just uh, loaded them up on her. Yeah, we definitely did. And... For good reason. I mean, Santana, they were really teasing. They were, like, holding a carrot out in front of us in the beginning of the season, but only giving us little snippets of her. Like, literally, the first time we see her is on a webcam. And then as the series progresses, um, she becomes just so much more integral to the plot. Um, and we get to see her sort of, like, be out on her own, not being attached to Brittany, and just, like... Uh, moving in to Rachel and Kurt's apartment, like not even asking them first. Um, and then, you know, helping Rachel out of a really nasty situation. So um, she really uh, was in a lot of ways the star of season four. Absolutely. Yeah. Santana uh, this season racked up seven gold stars, which is a tie for the most amount of gold stars that has been given in a season. Uh, Kurt also got seven gold stars back in season two. So Santana is, uh, I guess, tying a single season record there, which, uh, and uh, once we're all done kind of with everybody from this season's gold stars, um, you know, for anybody that cares about the nerdy numbers that I do care about, uh, at the end, I'll run through the total gold star count from seasons, you know, with all together, seasons one through four. I'll give you guys the update of uh, who's at the top, who's at the bottom. So yeah, Santana, coming in here with seven gold stars in the season kind of spread out a little bit throughout she did get let's see she got one in the breakup i gave her one there 
She got one in the Thanksgiving episode from you, and then uh, most of the gold stars came in back-to-back episodes, uh, episodes number 15 and 16, where you and I both gave her uh, some gold stars there, along with uh, Alex Mm -hmm. Conti giving her one in the Thanksgiving episode. So a little spread out as her story, you know, like you said, uh, it was evolving. You know, we first saw her as her and Brittany were going through the breakup with all the other couples. Thanksgiving, she comes back to help out with, she comes back to help out with the show, and then eventually with, uh, you know, she's around for sectionals, which which, you know, falls apart. And then, of course, at the end, when she ends up in New York City helping out uh, Rachel. So a lot went on with her this season. Uh, yeah, a ton went, out, went, went on with her. And I'm glad that she was one of the characters that the writers chose to really keep around. I mean, obviously, you know, you run into scheduling conflicts with some of the other actors, which is why uh, uh, Quinn Fabray wasn't as present. But um, I'm glad that they could, they knew that Santana was just a fan favorite. So you, they had to keep her around. You know what I mean? I'm glad yeah. that they did. And it's such an unlikely pairing. I mean, once like we know the the trio of Santana, Kurt and Rachel to be such a, you know, prominent trio at this point, because we've, you know, watched the show how many times and we know them as like the New York three. Uh, well, nobody calls them that. But, uh, we you know, we know that that situation developed over time. But like you could never have predicted day one of the Glee Club or maybe day whatever when the Cheerios moved in and, you know, started to uh, move their way in and whatever that you never would have suspected that this background character Santana Lopez would have, you know, joined in as with the two stars of the show, Rachel and Kurt, as, you know, the third to that trio. Obviously, uh, we talk a, a million times about how Santana, you know, became a star over time. And once they realized what they had, you know, of course they were going to run with it. So adding mm-hmm. that character into the mix with these two Broadway bound, you know, big dreamers, like the way that they did where Santana was like, I don't have a crazy big dream. I mean, I have things that I like, but I'm not, I'm not you two, but she still moved to New York because New York has so many things for everybody. And just the way that they mix that all together, I think is great. Yeah, definitely. Um, the tree, the trio is probably one of my favorite parts about the season and into season five as well, because you're right. It is a, you, yeah, you wouldn't have guessed that it would be those three. And even up until season two, three you wouldn't have guessed that Rachel and Kurt would have been really great friends so it does seem to happen sort of organically and that's what I enjoy the most about it is having because yeah I mean Santana in a lot of ways is a bit of like the voice of the audience because coming to New York and then calling Rachel and or calling Rachel and Kurt out on all of their bullshit especially Brody on his bullshit it was just like nice to have someone there to sort of like sober the rest of them up Mm mm-hmm Yes. And Santana, we still will have at least one more full season of her. Season six really does turn into a little bit of a different thing with not everybody, including uh, Naya and Heather at the time, were both not main uh, cast at that point in season six. So, um, you know, at least for the next one full season, we'll have uh, uh, plenty more Santana to go, especially, you know, mixed in with some guest stars, uh, Demi Lovato and Adam Lambert stopping by. I'm excited for all of that. Um, And you know what we were talking, I was saying that I was going to, you know, run down the cumulative totals at the end, but I might as well. We're already talking about the trio. Um, I'll just tell you right out front that at the very top of our list of gold stars from seasons one, two, three, and four combined, the top three at the moment are a three-way tie between Santana, Rachel, and Kurt with 16 gold stars each. Wow. So there really is like no come going back from this, is there? Like there's just no way that anybody's going to be able to catch up. 
it's uh it, 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 it you know it goes either way um the people that are behind them aren't too far behind them but i mean considering these three characters are still going to be a major focus in season mm-hmm. five and then kind of in season six it does feel like we're you know looking at a three-horse race between these three as uh as to who's going to finish the season or the series with the most gold stars so yeah three-way tie for uh with 16 gold stars each so not too surprised. I tried. I tried, Lord Tubbington. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Let's uh, use that as a perfect transition into our next person up on the list, Lord Tubbington. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Brittany. Brittany S. Pierce comes in here at uh, second place of the season with six gold stars, right behind Santana with seven. Last season, Brittany got zero gold stars. Zero. Zero gold stars for Brittany last season. We talked about how they like dis- you know she disappeared for a couple episodes, didn't get a chance to talk, and then showed back up and was like oh no i'm still here but this season uh especially in the last recap we talked about how this was a big britney season and they closed it out with a britney finale like it was all about her her goodbye story and just a lot of fun moments along the way some double double doses of fondue for two so we got a lot of good britney content to close things out we would not have had such i I would not love season four as much as i do if britney had graduated and was not here oh britney just sweet, innocent Brittany, always. We got to see a bit more bite from her this season, you know what I mean? Like, in Brittany 2.0, she's literally kicked off with the Cheerios, and then she kind of, like, goes insane a little bit, and we see her just a little bit more feisty, and because she does come off a little bit delicate towards um, the, the beginning of the season. I mean, she literally runs to Santana when Artie calls her stupid, but nowadays she's, like, she can fend for herself, and... Santana isn't even there, you know what I mean? So I, I am, I think that she really came into her own, um, and it was, it was sad to see her go. But I think that they did her such justice this season that, um, I was able to be okay with it because if they had given her the same treatment they gave her in season three and it was her last season, I'd have been like, what the fuck, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, we definitely got a lot of Britney, Britney content, and then you know the whole thing with Sam was an interesting thing to watch and how Santana deals with all of that and how she deals with the both of them. That was a lot of fun. Still a little bit bitter about them cutting the uh, Robin song out, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, I had one more point that I was going to make, but I lost it, but you can go. <laughs> okay. Well, while you think of that, uh, Brittany, I could not agree more. Of course that, you know, having her highlighted like this, uh, she just like, First of all, let's let's start at the you know the top. Brittany is Brittany is not um, a lesbian. Brittany is bisexual, and mm-hmm. you know she calls herself the bicorn. So the fact that we were able to transition away from her relationship with Santana, which we know will always be there with love and you know affection for each other, the fact that we were able to also see her in a relationship with Sam this season, I thought was great because it you know that sh- she's bisexual. Like that that's uh, a lot of fans wanted to shoehorn shoehorn her in and say no, you're only with Santana. But like I'm glad that they explore a character being bisexual because they showed yes she she was with Santana and she loved her and now she's with Sam that's that's what bisexual means um so you know um <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that that's what they you know allowed her to do this season I'm glad that they showed that and I, I don't remember what the uh, Britannia fans were actually like at the time but I have to imagine it was uh, you know a little contentious and of course that relationship is not going to last you know past this season Brittany and Sam um the way that they broke up at the very end I thought was perfect you know that very quick line 
as Brittany was having a meltdown and she texts Sam right in front of the Hoagley Club to break up with him. And he's like, are you kidding me? Um, so, yeah. And we also talked a little bit about Sam, about how he's going to be somebody that, you know, kind of takes in some of Brittany's character qualities to move forward with. Because without Brittany around every episode, they need someone to be that silly, you know, one liner kind of person in the Glee Club. So he is going to absorb some of that. Um, but overall, just a really fun Brittany season. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm glad that we also got to see Brittany sort of reach out to a lot of the newer uh, characters because we don't really see a lot of interaction between these the new ones and the old ones, even though they're literally in the same room in most of their scenes. Ari doesn't really befriend any of the new kids. Tina doesn't do anything but really yell at Marley. But Brittany, I mean, she, you know, she has that whole thing with Marley where she encourages her to ask Jake to the to the dance and it just seems like she was um like I mean if if I if I had a more watchful eye when I watched this the first time I probably could have foreseen that they were about to say goodbye to her because she was she was all over the place this season Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's a good point about the way that she like treated the younger kids. Like she was kind of like a mother hen to them in a way. She was like just keeping them all like, you know, like the way th- just the scene of her like introducing herself to Marley after like what, 10 episodes that they hadn't talked once. And mm-hmm. she was like, hey, I'm Brittany. And she's like, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, oh, we've le- literally never said two words to each other. So I just figured I would introduce myself. Um, and then the way that, you know, she like clings on to Marley and Jake and tries to like make sure that they get together and she just plays matchmaker. Um, she's just she's great the way that she throws shade to Tina every opportunity that she gets even though they're from like from the OG group um, she makes fun of Blaine in the hair gel like she is just all over the place the most fun character um, at this point in the series I'll tell you I very I don't remember you know exactly what order I had been at but I'm at a very clear number one Santana number two Brittany and I, I don't see that changing even though you know Brittany's not going to be around forever how is Brittany not going to be your new stand card if Rachel's not uh, it's decided she is now my new stand card <laughs> I feel like that's, that's wide open. She's she's there for the taking. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> it's been decided. Everybody hear that? All right. Bye, yeah. Rachel. Um, all right. If you don't have any, unless you have any other thoughts on Brittany, uh, Rachel's actually up next. Rachel uh, with four gold stars is going to be our next person up. She's not the only one with four gold stars, actually. It's uh, Rachel, Sam, and Jake Puckerman, actually, are going to be tied at that next tier with four gold stars each. But I guess we might as well talk about Rachel, the biggest name here. Yeah. So, I mean, this is it. She moved away. She's in New York City, living on her dream, uh, dealing with uh, crazy dance professors and... uh, trying to make it onto a funny girl revival at 18 years old. Um, she's really out here doing what she needs to do. I enjoy Rachel a lot more this season. I didn't enjoy her as much as I thought that I was going to. That's probably just because I'm in a different part of my life, so I don't really relate to it as much. But I think that we really got to see Rachel blossom here. You know, she's the one that got the most character development out of anybody, I think, because, I mean, she, that's just how Ryan Murphy sees it. Um, so uh, it was great to see her be away from Finn, uh, have this new thing with Brody, um, deal with Cassie, uh, you know, sort of learning how to be a friend to Kurt and all of this stuff. It's, I feel like she really, um, she grew up a lot here. She's not, like season one Rachel and season four Rachel are two different people. They really are. Yeah. With a few tendencies that that shine through here and there, but... Um, like her, you know, did during the during the uh, diva off, like he had to put her in her place, and I feel like she's a lot more mindful of that kind of thing now. 
Yeah, uh, the point about Rachel and Finn being separated, I think, is obviously, you know, an important one. It's this is and and so here's the thing. I have to believe that Rachel and Finn were endgame as much as, you know, any Glee fan probably could have predicted that from day one. Like it makes sense. Uh, Finchel, you know, was was probably primed to go all the way to the end of season six or the end of the show. Um, of course, unfortunately, with Cory Monteith's passing and Finn, you know, the, the character of Finn also being no longer with us at uh, after the quarterback episode happens uh she that's going to go in a you know Rachel's going to end up going in a couple different directions i just always felt like season 4 was meant to be the two of them off on their own discovering themselves before they eventually came back together whether it was in season 5 or whatever it was probably season 5 um i think that you know they had spent so much time growing into each other with these two characters like very heavily depending on each other but Rachel had these big dreams she went off to new york and she was going you know she was going for it she was at niata she was you know by her best friend's side and she was you know just think back to like thanksgiving when she was like Obviously, that was, you know, a little bit more related to Finn and the whole breakup of it all anyway, but she was very happy to stay in New York and to just continue moving forward with the new dreams, or not new dreams, the new life that she had built for herself there and just take a little bit of a break from Ohio. Like, she can go back there eventually. I'm sure she will for the holidays, but, you know, they were both say, like, they were both just very excited to be where they were and just be focused on themselves for a little while. So, I mean, I thought if that I that had was great. to choose between going home to Ohio to eat some dry-ass turkey versus staying at NYC, getting turkey <laughs> pizza, and hanging out with Shangela. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, not much of a tough call there. Um, so, yeah, Rachel, you know, stays stays there for Thanksgiving. And then as the season goes on, she, you know, everything happens with Brody, which is also, I think, uh, good stuff because, you know, she's in finally a relationship with, like, an older person that knows what they're doing rather than Finn, who is always still, you know, still finding himself. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just a different way for her to be, you know, pushed in different ways. And, you know, she starts, she gets into Brody. And by the time that's all over, she's like, oh, maybe I'll start dating older men now. So she's, you know, she's just trying things. She's a, a young person in New York City, you know, just moving around the world. So uh, that all is good and fun. And then eventually uh, good and funny girl uh, as the funny girl edition approaches and, you know, things get tense. We have everything with Rachel and Cassie throughout the season, which is a fun way to introduce a teacher back to Rachel's life where, you know, there's no will, there's no Sue anymore. And, uh, you know, you got to give her somebody that's going to, you know, keep her grounded and keep her at a level where it's like, just so you know, you are not the best. You are not, you know, everything that you think you are. Like, there's always got to be somebody to knock down the confidence of a lead character like Rachel Berry, who just thinks that they are the entire world. Yeah, and she's never really had to deal with this before because he just mentioned Sue. And I'm like, at, one, at first glance, you might think, oh, well, if you can deal, if you survive Sue Sylvester, then you should be able to survive anybody. But Sue Sylvester is just like she's a different kind of mean, you know what I mean? Like, Sue Sylvester never, like, came for Rachel's talents or anything. She never, you know, she just she just hates everybody and has a rude word for everybody, but it's never, like, pointed. Whereas Cassie, it's just, bitch, please. Like, you think that you're this big star, and you really ain't shit. And I'm going to tell you that you ain't shit. I'm going to show you that you ain't shit. And that's just how it's going to be. And I don't think that Rachel's ever had to do with anything like that, like that before. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. shock. Not at all. That's why that's why I love the character of Cassie. And I know you specifically, you know, did not love the way that that ended with Cassie and Rachel no, as Cassie kind of gave her, mm-hmm. you know, a nodding, uh, an approving nod off to uh, her audition. But 
like, you know, like, like was covered in that podcast. I really didn't mind it a whole lot. But either way, uh, Cassandra July, Kate Hudson is not going to make it to uh, season five. But I did enjoy uh, having her here in season four. She gave us some great performances with the uh, uptight and Americano. And um, I don't know if there's another one I'm not thinking of, but I thought it was uh, a fun spot. All that jazz. Yes. So, yeah, that was all good. That was with Rachel, right? She got way more solos than uh, Sarah Jessica Parker did, but Sarah Jessica Parker isn't also a singer, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So that's Rachel. We can kind of tie Rachel back in here. Uh, Let's let's go over to Kurt because I feel like that just makes more sense. Uh, Kurt is uh, not on that level of uh, four gold stars in the season. He is on the next level with a bunch of other characters that have two gold stars. So not the most uh, Kurt heavy season he was obviously there a lot but he was kind of like always fading in and out of being in like that top layer of relevancy so you know while he's had other seasons where it's been like kurt 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 follow kurt uh this one was more so like follow the new york kids and ultimately he's always going to kind of get drowned out by the rachel and santana of it all um so that's kind of where i felt like he went this season but uh you know rachel kurt in new york and uh, how'd you feel about kurt this time around I mean, he uh, he had to find his footing in this season, right? Like, we, we start the season with him at McKinley, um, all excited with the Glee kids, and then finally, you know, gets the courage to, to move out, finds Rachel, and then he uh, lands in an intern gig. But I think that you're right in that it was a bit, in terms of, like, his story, it, not really a lot happens to him, except, like, I think the biggest thing with Kurt this season is the breakup right like him and Blaine breaking up and then the the aftermath of all of that and him you know potentially dating Adam and all of that and then going back to Blaine and hooking up with him like it's just sort of a lot, a lot of like how is how does he deal with being broken up like how do you handle all of that and um while while it was great to see that cuz i think that he was right Chris Colfer when he said that him and Blaine started to get a little bit boring it was great to see all of that but i don't but i think that's kind of that's just like that was it that was the main point you know what i mean it didn't even like i feel like there should have been more, much more of an emotional payoff when he gets into niata but i kind of you kind of you kind of blink and you miss him getting into niata because you're more focused on um the blaine of it all mm-hmm. yeah uh for sure i mean the the fact the mere fact that kurt is in this relationship with adam and i don't remember adam and i i, I won't remember adam in about three weeks when we are, you know, wrapping up season five, I won't remember his name. Um, there was no conclusion to that. It was just, you know, nothing happens. Is Adam in season mm-hmm. five at all? No, right? I don't think so. No, I, I think he's gone I by that point. So. Yeah. So Adam is, you know, obviously a non-factor uh, in the overall arc of the show. It's like they tried to do something where they, you know, they gave Rachel Brody to say like, oh, here's a new relationship you should try out. And I feel like they were trying to do that with Kurt and Adam, but Adam was just not somebody that I ever like knew, cared about. He didn't have a song or anything like that. Besides like when we first met the Adam's apples and they performed uh, whatever that song was for Kurt, that was like a weird cover. Do you remember? I don't remember what it was. Um, Not important. We got back. Yeah. (laughs) And he was like, okay, sure. Um, And then, you know, got shamed out of joining the Adam's apples by Rachel. So yeah, uh, Kurt definitely needed to find himself this season. He needed to, you know, and maneuver that while he was, you know, dealing with the Blaine stuff, trying to get, you know, he had this internship, he had, you know, the Niata audition from uh, Carmen that, you know, sprung up out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden Christmas time comes around and his dad tells him that he has cancer. And then, you know, he has to kind of, as much as we don't follow that a whole lot between finding that out and then finding out that Bert's 
doing well and healthy again. Uh, you know, he still had that on his plate. So there is a lot that kind of gets thrown at Kurt, but it does, I, I, I still feel like, you know, not at, at not many points that it feel like we were just genuinely following Kurt, I guess, besides that one episode where you and I both gave him a gold star. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I enjoyed what we got from Kurt, um, but I totally get why he's sort of like a little bit more in the background this time around, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because the other seasons were a, a lot more focused on him. I mean, especially season two in particular. So like if we're if the writers are trying to explore other characters and Kurt kind of gets chopped a little bit, that's OK. That's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's had his time to shine and, you know, he'll still have plenty more. Kurt will be here with us all the way through to the end of the series and uh, some fun Kurt stuff coming up. I know that. It's so hard to, like, pronounce his story well because they, like, we knew what Rachel's intentions were and her motivations were from Jump. Like, this, like, she'd been saying it over and over and over and over again since season one. But for Kurt, like, like I said, like, in season three him and Rachel all of a sudden have the same dreams and you don't really see any of that coming. You know, like you think that Kurt's like the fashion guy, um, which is why I was hoping that the Vogue thing was actually going to, to flourish a bit more, but it sort of simmered out once he got back in or once he got into Niata. But I just feel like it's harder to pronounce his storyline when obviously it's, Rachel's the one that's going to be successful. Whereas Kurt if, even if the writers are claiming that this is also his dream, it's just not as pronounced as Rachel's. So it just kind of mm-hmm. pales in comparison. Yeah. Uh, getting into Niata, like there was there was that time where he, you know, he got into the school and it was like, OK, well, he's liking the fashion things. Does he even really still want to do the Broadway thing? Like, of course he does, because, you know, Kurt. But, uh, you know, you could have seen it go either way. And it kind of felt like the writers could have seen it going either way because they kind of left the door open there. They left him with different options. You know, I'm, I'll, at the end of the day, I agree. I'm glad with uh, some of the stuff that we got for him. I, I'm glad that they got him to New York. Him and Rachel being there together always was going to make sense. You know, you had to have them graduate and it made sense for him to be with her. It made sense for Bla- for, for the breakup to happen for that episode. It was, we talked about it at the time, the best way for them to go about that, where they separated all the couples and allowed characters to grow in a new space where Blaine and Kurt had been together for two seasons already at that point. Let's try something different. And if they get back together, which we know that they will, then, you know, we can worry about that then. Same with uh, Santana and Brittany and whoever else. So uh, we're going to see them separated. And I guess we'll use that as a jumping point into, uh, we'll talk about Blaine here. Blaine is actually in the tier below Kurt with uh, a bunch of other people in the one star category. Blaine only got one star this season. It was for me. One star. Crazy. He's been a he was a baby back bitch this season. <laughs> so that's fine. That's crazy to me. We'll talk about Blaine in a second. Um, uh, Blaine, I want to talk about Blaine and Sam here. Obviously, Blam emerged in this season. Sam is actually, like I said, I, I think oh, yeah. I already said, is in the tier above Kurt. He ended up with four gold stars this season. So we definitely found some things to like with Sam. So we'll talk about Sam with his four gold stars. We'll talk about Blaine with his one gold star. Um, and I guess we probably should start, you know, bouncing Kurt into Blaine. As you said, you uh, weren't the biggest Blaine fan. And that's crazy to me just because, not because of what we watched or anything that I disagree but just this is one of the main characters of the show. So to have him have such a weird season like this was uh, surprising to me to watch back. I mean, it's like Tina said, oh, boo-hoo, get over it. It's like a Lifetime movie. Like, <laughs> that's how I feel about <laughs> Blaine's character. You know, he, um, especially coming from where he was in season two, is like this really confident, quote-unquote, alpha gay. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, he devolves into this petty very jealous 
version of himself and we all go through insecurities like i mean you know being apart from your significant other i imagine is very hard especially when you're young and it's like both of their first relationship ever it's like their first love or whatever and then all of a sudden you have to say goodbye to this person and you worry about like what could happen so i get it but um just the way his character handles everything this season it was just ugh. i was just i was like over it (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad that it happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that the writers chose to make the storyline interesting. I think that making them break up was a good call. But the way that Blaine handled everything was just annoying as hell to me. Yeah, they really wanted to take Blaine. And in a way, like, the, in a way that Brittany wasn't stuck with this on her, Brittany was able to move forward with the new directions and with the story that she was given here, moving forward with Sam. She was able to keep everything, you know, in McKinley. And she was able to keep everything funny because it was, like, all about... You know, what was going on in her world, which was at in Ohio, Blaine had half of his heart, you know, off in New York, and he just couldn't stop thinking about him. He couldn't stop. Everything that happened was always about Kurt. As much as he was, you know, developing that crush on Sam and a lot of that, you know, distracted him from the Kurt stuff and a lot of that, you know, all the Tina stuff was, uh, you know, that was some comedy there and that distracted him, I guess, from Kurt here and there. But at the end of the day, we always were brought back to Blaine and Kurt and, you know, he came to visit him for Christmas and then, uh, you know, just the wedding and then it's just as every couple episodes there was always more clean that came about and i'm sure that fans wanted it at the time yeah i'm pretty sure that the fans wanted to see them get back together after having been broken up um you know as much as i think it was good for you know a lot of these characters to break up i am still aware of the fact that it was probably really hard for the writers to do knowing how the fan base was um and knowing what they wanted like if you're catering to an audience of young kids that like may turn the show off and decide not to stop not to keep watching if their favorite couple is not together, then it's probably a lot harder to just write the way that you would want to write uh, compared to like another show where it's like adults may be more willing to give you time to grow. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but I feel like that's something maybe. So yeah, Blaine had a hard time with that. And then also we're talking about Sam here, who uh, was really linked on to Blaine this season in a way where Sam has never had any connection this type before at all. So I thought uh, the Blam stuff was pretty fun. Blam was fun. I, I, was I would have been fine if Bert and Blaine or Kurt and Blaine didn't get back together. Like fine, like fuck them kids. Like they can don't they can either watch or not watch. But um, I uh I was a big fan of Blam. I thought that this was such a cute friendship, and I love the way. I mean, it's talk about Brittany playing matchmaker. She did the same thing here by making them run together. You know, so uh, as the season goes on, they just get so close, and Sam convinces him to stay at McKinley and everything, and. It was, um, we, we get some Sam music as well this season. Um, and of course, this relationship with Brittany. But yeah, Sam Blam in particular was something that I would not have foreseen. Um, and I'm glad that they both came together like this. Yeah, I, I want to look back. I'm trying to see where Sam got his gold stars. So we got one in the makeover episode where um, him and Artie got back gold stars in there. And I don't fully remember uh, what that was all about. Do you? Episode three. So that was the episode where they ran for president, right? Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. And uh, he was, yeah, he was like, uh, you know, helping out. Yep, exactly. He, uh, he and Blaine, and then Artie and Brittany, and we gave it to the vice presidents there. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was fun. That was a lot of fun, and him talking to Blaine afterwards when uh, after they won, and he's like, "I did all this for Kurt, and now I kind of feel like all alone." And he's like, "Well, like, you got me now. Like, I know I'm, I'm not." a Kurt, but yeah, 
I've never had a I've never had a gay friend before. You know, I mean, I I didn't really understand a lot of Kurt's stuff, but and, but with you and me, it's a little different, and I I think that that's really awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had one there, one in episode 11, and then another one in episode 17. So really just kind of, you know, spread out all over the place this season, which I also think is a good thing because, you know, they obviously kept him in the loop and highlighted him at a couple different key points in the season to just remind us of Sam. Sam will be with us all the way through the end of the series. So, uh, you know, good to good of them to keep him relevant and to keep him obviously somebody that the fans are connecting with since we got four gold stars on him and he is, you know, at the very top of the list. So... Yeah, Blaine and Blaine and Sam. Obviously, Blam is uh, looking pretty good going forward. Uh, you want to tie Tina in, Tina in here as well, as she was kind of like that third uh, of them this season. Tina has one gold star on the season, which is uh, pretty on par for her. They do kind of become the McKinley trio, right? Like you got the NYC and then the McKinley trio with uh, Blaine, Sam, and Tina. Um, Artie's just like mysteriously left out of that. Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough. But yeah, Tina Tina was great this season. She finally is starting to get um, more material. I don't necessarily know if it's enough. I think that I might just be excited because it's more than what we usually get. So I'm willing to accept the scraps. I think that the storyline with Blaine was hilarious. Uh, a little bit uncomfortable at times. But I thought that it, 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 we know that it came from a real place. So I feel like the performance was um, was was pretty spot on. I do, sometimes I do, as entertaining as that was, I do kind of wish that we got more Tina-centric, you know, stories. Like, I want to know more about Tina's acting passions. You know, like, she mentions it here and there, and um, we get to see uh, her actually really state it during um, her conversation with Michael Chang Sr. back in season three. But, like, this is her senior year, you know what I mean? And while... Of course, it's about the solos and it's about like not wanting to uh, fall into the background and being the new Rachel like Rachel wanted. But what about the stuff afterwards? You know what I mean? Like in season three, we heard a lot about what the seniors wanted to do when they were done. And we've heard virtually nothing about what she plans to do besides acting. But where, when, how, like what kind of acting? Do you want to do TV? Do you want to be in films? Do you want to be on Broadway? Like what do you want to do? And I mm-hmm. kind of wish that we just got more Tina stories that focused on Tina and not Tina and Blaine. Or Tina and somebody else. Yeah, when the kids graduated last year, we were left with a strange mix of uh, remaining new directions that, you know, the ones that are going to be the seniors this year. So I'm glad that they ended up kind of linking up Blaine, Tina, and Sam here. And I know that there's still more with them to come in uh, season five. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's just kind of like all of their partners got taken away. Everybody that was like linked up with them, whether you want to call it Quinn and Sam or, uh, you know, obviously Brittany with Santana, Blaine with Kurt, Tina with Mike, a lot of their duos got split up and they were pushed together in a way where it was like, not so much as like a senior bond. It was just kind of like they, they tried their best to naturally make them gel together and make them friends. And, you know, Tina linked to Blaine and Blaine linked to Sam. And then the three of them all being like worked in, in, in one way or another. So I do agree with you about the point about, you know, I I wish there was more Tina. I wish there was more of like, just getting to know her because while Brittany is one of the funniest characters in the show is the number one funniest character on the show. She is still given so much depth and like you get to know so much about her and like the entire, you know, end of the season is about, her personal journey and not just not just the jokes. So while I was glad, you know, definitely I'm glad that Tina was allowed to become this comedic character that she was, 
you know, still would like to be to see more. And we did get a little hint at the end of this season, um, you know, of where she's going potentially to college. And I do think there's more in season five, um, maybe a little bit more focus on her. I hope that there is. I can't fully remember because, you know, she is such an integral part of the early parts of the New Directions. Um, she is going to disappear pretty much once we get to the New York part of season five. Not fully. I think she has like one guest episode in there kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to, you know, just uh, seeing the rest of how things go for this trio because it's it's something. It's, you know, it's the best we got with the remaining seniors. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you're right. Like, she's going to leave, like, towards the middle. Like, she doesn't really get a proper send-off, which I'm kind of... Well, but that's a, that's another story for another day. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative of the Tina that we got, and I'm going to be looking forward to what we are going to get next season. Mm-hmm. And let's bounce off of Tina right into Artie Abrams, who was also at the one-star tier. We kind of passed over some of the two-star people, but we'll go back to them. Um, just kind of going in the order that makes the most sense. Uh, Tina goes to Artie. Ar- Artie is one-star in this season, which is from that episode we just talked about, episode three, as he was the vice president with Brittany. And remember just like the look on his face as Brittany was giving that speech about how school should just be open forever, no summer vacations, everybody like, let's just all love each other and be friends and stay here and already have this whole planned out like way that the two of them were going to win and then all of a sudden it came crashing down on him but then as the season goes on uh we turn to more of the already focus on like his directing skills and you know the the person who does the best at this week's assignment wins a spot in my film and then at the end of the season with everything with kitty and her you know helping him talk to his mom about potentially going to new york which will bring him along in season five to new york so already going to uh to hang on a little bit longer here with us and it was you know it was quiet but he he's always there so i don't know what do you think about Artie? he's the glue you're the glue of glee club Artie. oh that was fun that was fun <laughs> yeah i'm kind of just like whatever on Artie this season like i said like if you're not blaine or sam martina you're sort of like left out um in terms of seniors and sugar mata at that assuming she's a senior mm-hmm. um yeah, I just, uh, I liked the things that we did get, but for him to be main cast and be one of the OGs, it's so weird to see him take a back seat to Marley and Jake and Ryder and Unique. And then he, I think he, he, he gets a little bit more time in season five. Um, so that's going to be good. But yeah, season four, I mean, like, where, where did, what's the story of Artie in season four, really? You know what I mean? Like, what did, what did, what did we learn about him? I don't think we really learned anything new about him. I guess it was really just the like the heavy emphasis on the fact that he wants to direct and the fact that, you know, I mean, honestly, that's really it. Like, uh, you know, he yeah, had relationships like, with Britney. He had uh, I'm talking like that was in the past. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot else with that. So the connections that he did have in the school kind of were all over the place. And he kind of I mean, the whole thing about him being the glue of the Glee Club, whether or not that's like 100 percent accurate or not, that kind of rings true in some ways where it's like. He did have a connection with everybody. Like you could always see Artie rolling down the hallway with literally any person in the Glee Club because he, I guess he's just like an easy person for them all to talk to and hang out with kind of thing. Um, but they really didn't focus in on any of his specific relationships until the very end of the season where everything happened with Kitty. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I'm kind of at a loss of words for Artie. Like it's. Um... Well, there's just not a whole lot else to say. So uh... yeah, he's just there. He's just there. 
Um, we can start getting into some of the new kids of McKinley. I think uh, that's probably the way to go here as we can start at the top, I guess, with uh, that last remaining person on the higher tier. We have Jake Puckerman with his four gold stars. And of course, to tie into Jake, we're going to bounce down with the person with one gold star in the season. I gave Marley a gold star in the first episode of season four, and she got nothing ever since. So uh, four on Jake, one on Marley. Jarley took over this season. And uh, what did you think of them? Well, if we were going to award Jarley some stars, I'm glad that they were going to Jake because he's much more interesting character. I like the choice of making him puck's younger half brother younger half black half brother um yeah i mean they could have went full carbon copy with puck but they didn't go that route like he's actually a really nice guy uh i mean i know that we were supposed to think that he was like this womanizer i mean they literally sang about him being a womanizer in the second episode but we don't really see a lot of that behavior you know like as soon as he starts having a thing for marley it's um it's kind of smooth sailing from there. I enjoyed the little mentorship that Puck has for him, even though not all of his advice is sound. It's it's a really nice uh, relationship that the two of them are starting to have, and I love that they were able to bring their mothers together for Christmas. I, I love that Christmas special. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, it, and he, on top of that, he's a really good dancer, and then how he handles the thing with uh, with Ryder later on is really, really good. Like, I root I root for Jake. Like, I want him to do well. I, I want him to be um, a star in the Glee Club, and I want him to treat Marley well. Like, I just, I just want, I want good things for him. So... With Jake, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, knowing how much I love the character has a lot to do with, I think, how much both of us love Jacob Artist. So, I mean, it kind of bleeds into it. But then when you see the character and you're just waiting the whole time for something bad to happen where he's proven to be that womanizer or something like that. But every step along the way, he proves himself to be a good person and to be a good boyfriend and to be, like, a respectable, nice guy. Maybe I'm missing, like, one or two small things that I... Oh, the Chris Brown stuff. I knew there was something in there. Uh, The Chris Brown stuff is a little bump in the road. But uh, then, you know, I don't know. The majority of the time, you know, you had him with... Kitty was coming after him at every opportunity to be like, Jake... Marley's not offering what I'm offering, you know, and he's like, I could go hit a home run with with Kitty or I could just sit here and play cards with Marley. And he's like, but I want to play cards with Marley. Like, I want to be with her. I like her. Uh, Puck was like, you know, and then the whole way that went down was still so weird. The way that Puck is like, oh, I'll step in. I'll take care of Kitty. And then the two, you know, Puck and Kitty go off and like date for three episodes. So that was something. Um, but yeah, Puck, uh, Jake Puck, Jake Puckerman always proved himself to be good, um, especially when you get to the wedding and he talks to Ryder about how this is going to be the night that we, you know, we're going to make it happen. And as Marley and him go up to the hotel room and she's obviously not ready yet, he's fine with it. He's like, all right, no worries. Like, I thought we might be there, but if we're not, you know, you're the boss. No problem at all. We can, you know, we'll be okay. So I've been, I felt good about Jake. I'm happy that we got him those four gold stars. I thought that was good. And then just to talk about Marley a little bit. Marley's character is funny because of the whole, like, the fact that she is so basic and the fact that there's nothing to talk about her besides her beautiful bright blue eyes that Sue and Brittany and whoever else can't even come up with anything, like, insulting to say about her because that's all there is. She's just, like, this (laughs) nice girl with pretty eyes that everybody seems to have no issues with and they seem to like. Uh, Obviously, this season we touched on the the storyline with Marley and her eating disorder that was, uh, you know, played a big factor in everything with Kitty and all that. And so she, you know, she was able to go on that journey with herself and her mom and Jake trying to get her back on track after all that happened at sectionals. 
And yeah, that's really just kind of where we went with her with uh, that. And then it kind of led into the whole will they, won't they with her and Jake? Will they say I love you? Will they not? And yeah, her kind of growing confidence in herself uh, when Mercedes came back and was like, you need to like be the star that you are. So we're just kind of like, you know, just slowly pushing them on, making them somewhat or trying to make them likable. The show is doing because obviously they are like the new couple of the new directions. So yeah, um, they were they were pretty big players in the season. Yeah, y'all know how I feel about Marley. I feel like I don't have to talk too much about it, but um, I mean she she has some good moments here and there. I do think that I mean it's no fault of Melissa Benoist. I mean the writers sort of screwed her. I think that the way that the bulimia thing was handled was just so strange. And then it's just utter, like after like after like it gets snuffed or sniffed out during uh thanks the Thanksgiving episode. It sort of just dissipates from there, and like I just feel like, I mean, like I I haven't gone through anything like that before, so but something tells me that it's just not something that sort of like goes away. Like I feel like it's like constant, you know. I don't know. Just it was just that story just wasn't told that well, um, and unfortunately for her, that's a big part of her story in season four. Um, I do feel like once we get towards the later half of the season. I'm able to enjoy her a bit more. I feel like a personality starts to come through. I'll be interested to watch season five because she comes back and things are a little bit different. But um, yeah, uh, Marley's Marley's okay. She's just okay any quick thoughts on Millie Rose? The, oh, I you know I loved I loved Millie. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. Just a sweet lady. She was getting such harassment from those kids. Like those kids really needed to be suspended or expelled or whatever because. They just treated her so horribly, and I kind of wish that she had a a mouth on her. But obviously, it's not it's not a good look to be arguing with kids. But damn, like sometimes enough is enough, you know. Yeah. But yeah, she was a very nice. I'm glad that they introduced Marley with her mom as well because she was like uh, she was a nice character to kind of bring her back to reality. It was like Marley was you know it still seems like the girl that needs her mom by her side to help her out with some things, and uh, they have a really good relationship. So that was heartwarming to see in like a similar kind of curtain bird kind of way. So um, that was nice. Millie did get one gold star in this season thanks to you uh, from the Christmas episode. So she is on the board. Kind of sad for Marley that she has the exact same amount of gold stars as her mom, but that's okay. I'm sure she would love that. I'm sure she would love nothing more. Um, we can also bounce into Ryder Lynn, the new guy, new kid on the street, new kid on the block, whatever you would call him. Uh, Ryder arrived in season five of season four, fresh off of the Glee project and really, really made an impact on Ryan Murphy, you know, Brian, Brad, Ian, the, the writers, the everybody, they really wanted to use this guy in many ways. Uh, they gave him vocal perform, they gave him songs, they gave him dances, they gave him this, that, they gave him character storyline things to work with. Like he was all over the place this season. Yeah, uh, Ryder is uh, the, the the golden boy. Like, if Ryan Murphy loves Leah Michelle, then uh, I would have to say the same thing about Ryder because he just gets everything. Like, <laughs> he uh, just comes in guns a-blazing, getting, like, solos in his first episode and a lot more throughout the rest of the season, and they gave him a lot to juggle with, like the whole thing with the, you know, the love triangle with... Marley and Jake and the dyslexia thing and then the child molestation thing like they really gave him a lot of heavy topics to talk about and the catfishing it's just a lot it was a really really um heavy heavy writer season so at the end of the at the, at the end of the season where he says that he's not going to come back to the glee club I was like it just it felt so wrong because it was just like you 
came in here and kind of fucked shit up. So now you want to leave? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm glad that someone in the writer's studio was like, you know what? No, let's bring him back for season five because that would have been just a really strange way to see him go. Yeah, I don't think there was ever a possibility that Ryder wasn't going to be there in season five just because they obviously took a liking to him. They gave him so many things to work with. They gave him so many different characters to work with. You know, he was with... Actually, I don't, I don't know if I meant that in the way that I said it. Uh, obviously, he was mostly focused around Jake and Marley. Uh, there was some Kitty in there and then a lot with Unique. So they really did keep the new kids moving around with each other to kind of keep the different avenues open for them to move forward into, you know, future storylines. Yeah, Ryder is going to... Just everything that happened with Unique, I think, was, again, not my favorite, but I thought it was at least well done by both actors. I thought that it was believable for the character that we had met from Ryder, the fact that he was going along with this catfish, even though he knew that it wasn't good for him. He knew that it was somebody that was, you know, misleading him and lying him. Like, I believed this person, um, you know, this young what, 14, uh, 15, 16 year old kid, like everything we knew about him, it made sense that he was going along with this. He's really impressionable. Uh, and it's really easy to just, you know, kind of mess with him. It's uh, sadly like the, the catfish really got to him. And, you know, we know that unique didn't mean to do that in the way that obviously hurted him, hurt it, hurt him as bad as bad as it did. Uh, but that's what happened. And, that's, you know, that left us with a very messy little end uh, to, to all of that, leaving uh, leaving Ryder wanting to leave the New Directions. So we'll have to see how that all plays out in season five. I mean, I believe, mm-hmm. well, I know he comes back, but uh, I mean, I don't remember if there's any serious, like, repercussions towards it. Uh, not too sure. Yeah, like, I'm having a hard time remembering the new kid in season five. Like, I know that they their things are going to get scrapped in the season, like halfway through, but there's like it's that's still like a good solid what like fourteen fifteen episodes, but we're still at McKinley, so and I can't remember what happens. It's crazy. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Just you know, with the the introduction of some big guest stars that come in, and then you know, I, I don't know. I just can't think of. I can't think of either of what happens with these guys. Um, so yeah, that's that's Ryder. Uh, he did have two gold stars. Um, also with two gold stars, we have Kitty, uh, unique had one gold star. So I guess we can talk a little bit about Kitty, uh, new on the scene here and unique in her second season, but in her first full season with the new directions after transferring. Yeah. Uh, so Kitty comes in fresh. I like her. I like the bitchiness. It's fun. Then the bulimia inducing behavior starts happening. So it's kind of hard to root for her. And then once that gets called out, she goes back to trying to be nice, which I'm not a f- I'm not as much of a fan of nice kitty as I am a bitchy kitty. I think that that's like part of the charm of it all. So I, I really feel like if they were able to keep her in the sweet spot that she was in in the beginning of the season, like like the whole Jesus freak thing, I thought was funny. Like, I don't understand what happened, guys. I prayed really hard about this. Like, <laughs> I liked that kitty, you know, and then it's sort of it sort of fizzles out a bit towards the end of the season, um, which I'm fine with her becoming friends, but you know, it's kind of like Santana, like Santana like never loses that, that, that edge to her. She just has less of an edge for certain people. You know, I just hated the fact that like, I, I like Kitty a lot and you know, as she stops being so horrible, it makes it a lot easier to like her because she starts off being like 
I would say more, way more horrible than like any of the previous Cheerios had been, uh, you know, the way that she does. I mean, obviously, like none of them ever did anything like that to Rachel, right? That uh, just the whole uh, making, you know, ch- playing with Marley's clothing to make her think that she was gaining weight. Like that was insane. You would never have seen anything like that in a real high school. As far as I know, if there was anybody out there doing that kind of stuff, then God, I hope you're uh, hope you're doing well these days. But yeah, Kitty is uh, uh, horrible in the first in the beginning and then comes around towards the end. So. So you gave her that gold star right before she got really bad. I gave her that gold star at the end when she was, you know, helping out Artie and turning, you know, helping out Ryder as well, kind of turning over a new leaf of trying to be a better person. Um, So we have Kitty there with two gold stars and just a touch on Unique pretty quickly. Not a very heavy season on Unique's content. She was there. The the friendship with Unique and Marley I thought was fun to explore. And to go back to Kitty for a second, I don't feel like we got much resolution to Kitty and Marley. Like, at least when Santana hated Rachel or Quinn was, you know, Quinn and Rachel kind of stuff happened. Like, they had reason to because Rachel was awful. But Kitty's just been so mean to Marley all season long. And Marley is nothing but, like, the nicest girl on earth. Um, You know, a little boring, but nice, really nice. So that never made sense. Uh, Well, it made sense because Kitty was mean. But, you know, we never really got, like full resolution on that. I'm curious to see if there is any of that in season five. But then, you know, the Unique and Marley friendship, I think they highlighted that a lot. So we did get to, you know, Mm -hmm. visit that from time to time and uh, check in with the two of them. And then, of course, we see the way the season ends for Unique with everything with Ryder. So I guess otherwise they didn't have a whole lot to do besides just, you know, have Britney call her Mercedes at uh, every turn. Yeah, um, like as for someone who's like such a big epic star, the star of Vocal Adrenaline, what won them all of their competitions, she does sort of take a back seat here. I mean, she is in a lot of the performances. She gets quite a few songs, but like I just, I, I don't know. I guess I just expected a bit more from her, being like just such a big character that she is, um, and the downright political statement of it all. You know what I mean? Like this proud black trans woman. You know. I just feel like her character is is a bit understated and we don't get a lot. But I think that that does change in season five. I think there are a few more things with Unique, so I'll be excited to see that. But, you know, yeah... I, I kind of wish, like, I love the the new Rachel, the that ep- the first episode of the season, because the new kids all come in, and they're, like, you know, fighting for a chance to be in the Glee Club and be the new Rachel, and I felt like we were on a good path to getting to know all of them, and then, then for Unique, it kind of tapered off a bit, so. So, yeah, Unique with one gold star there, and then uh, no gold stars in the season. Uh, surprise, surprise for Joe and Sugar. Any parting thoughts on Joe and Sugar? I know you have... Some to say on at least one of them, and this might be the last Uh, chance. My dearly beloved Joe, I'm so sorry that they did you like this. It just, it breaks my heart. I mean, at least he got a line for almost every episode that he was in this this season. Like, he had, like, one-offs each and every time. But, um, yeah, they just... I don't get it. I thought that they liked him. I thought that they wanted to, like, why is Ryder so much more appealing than than Joe? I don't get it. I I just, I I don't get it, no. Um, but that's fine, I guess. And sugar, I mean, we always love sugar, but sugar was never, sugar was always in and out. So that would be just a kind of, you don't really, yeah, you don't really miss too much because she's never there to begin with. Um, but I think, I think that's it for her too. Is she in season five? I can't remember her being in season five. Not season five, but she's in season six. So, uh, not, not fully in season six. She makes a, a appearance in season six. Um, and maybe she makes a guest spot in season five. I don't remember, but, uh, definitely she comes back for at least one episode in season six or two. Uh, she comes back for the last one as well. 
So looking forward to that. But uh, yes, sugar is always, you know, going to be sugar kind of in the background. And that's fine. We've got a lot of good moments from her from the past two seasons. So happy that she was there. And Joe, uh, Amon said everything that, uh, everything that, you know, more than I could ever say about you. So um, that's them. Uh, let's talk about some, we can quickly touch on some of the alumni that stopped by this season here and there. We've got Quinn has two gold stars from the wedding. We have Mercedes has one gold star, which is from that uh, wonderful episode. Wonderful. Um, that was the name of the episode. I'm not just calling it that. And then we had Mike Chang and Puck, of course, as well, who did not get a gold star this season, but all of them were kind of in and out as uh, they were not a part of the New York crew, but they still did make their way back. Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to give give them gold stars when they were so um, understated in this season. But it was nice to see them all come back for like Thanksgiving and Mike and Mercedes came for uh, the sectionals and all that stuff and, and for Greece. Um, so they were they were just like nice little revolving characters this season. Yes. Uh, Quinn, we had a lot of fun with her at the wedding, so I'm glad that she got some stars there because we always love Quinn. We always love to, you know, see where she's at, even though she's not going to be around a whole lot um, in these final few seasons. Uh, She will be in season five, you know, for at least those two episodes with uh, Glee 100. I can't wait to get to that. Uh, Mercedes, she, you know, was off uh, winning Dancing with the Stars, or at least Amber Riley is, not Mercedes herself. Uh, Mercedes comes in at the end and gets one episode that's really all about her and her recording contract, and we are going to get so much more Mercedes in season five, so I can't wait for that. So at least we got that one gold star in on her. Uh, that was all yours. So uh, that's good. And then Mike, yeah, not a whole lot here as well, but it's nice to see him every time that he does pop up, you know, running down the hallway side by side with Mercedes. It's fun to see him show back up, and uh, we got a little bit you know with him and tina not a whole lot we kind of let her go off on her own path but that episode where uh you know where where she doesn't want to have anything to do with gleese because mike came back and didn't warn her and then all of a sudden uh, she's in the show so uh that was that was something was it gleese or yeah it was gleese it was gleese right yeah okay um so that was something and then puck i guess there's a little bit more to talk about with puck because we have everything with his younger brother and then puck also joining finn over at uh that college at the end of the season so he is around a little bit he kind of disappeared after that last episode with finn so there wasn't i guess much left for him to do he's also going to be around like here and there as we get closer to the end of the series, really not, you know, a main character. He wasn't a main character when he was on the show. So, you know, they wanted to keep him around because they offered everybody a contract to, you know, stick around if they wanted to. Um, Not, you know, not the most to talk about, but he was still here, I guess is what we can say. (laughs) Yeah. You kind (laughs) of summed it all up. (laughs) Yes. So that's uh, the alumni. And then uh, the last section of main characters to talk about is the adults, which I guess we're going to include Finn in this section this time because the main story for this season had a lot to do, uh, for Finn, had a lot to do with Will. So we'll talk about those two kind of tied together, but also, you know, a little bit of Finn on his own. Uh, Finn got two gold stars on the season, one in the breakup and then one in episode 19 from myself, which is going to end up being Finn's last episode of Glee. Um, for reasons that are obvious that we've talked about before uh, with Corey entering rehab. And so Finn is on his own path this season. He goes to McKinley to 
begin, you know, working with Will and the New Directions after he kind of loses his way with the army and going to New York and all of it. Like, he's just, he's all over the place. He doesn't really know what to do with himself, but he finds a home at McKinley as Will is going to go off to, you know, talk to Congress about funding for the arts. Will is going to give us a little bit of a break from that character, uh, or I should say Matthew Morrison is going to let us have a break from that character. Uh, nothing against him with all this Will criticism. He's, uh, he's great. Matthew's great. But, um, the Finn and Will relationship is a very pivotal one in this season. Uh, you know, we, we know that these guys are best friends. He's the best man at the wedding, but they fall apart and then eventually come back together. Yeah, um, Finn was interesting. It was an interesting one this season with uh, him trying to figure himself out. A piece of me is like, oh, really? Does he really have to stay around McKinley? Like, are we really? That's that's what we're doing with this with his character this year. But I mean, I think that they made it. They made they made it make sense. You know, like he, the army thing didn't work out. Um, he's obviously not, he's just not, he's just not a New Yorker. He doesn't, he doesn't have the same dreams and aspirations that Rachel does. Um, so him coming back home and trying to figure things out just seems like a realistic choice. I mean, and he does also work at the tire shop as well. So it's not like he's always at the school and that's it. He's still, you know, he's probably living at home and working in the tire shop and spending his free time helping his uh, glee club get to the sectionals. So, um, I, and I enjoyed it. I think that he does well as a teacher. You know, I feel like it's something that should have been obvious to us that that's what he was going to do. Um, but I think it was, you know, very well. Uh, it was written out very well in this season. Yeah, he really finds his passion. You know, he wasn't quite sure what it was. And then as things develop with him in the new directions and then Marley gives him that little kick in the pants and he ends up going to college, which ends up, you know, he goes to college for one day and then all of a sudden he's back at McKinley because he's, you know, doing this work study thing uh, by by being Will's sidekick to go forward. And of course, unfortunately, that's all not going to end up finishing playing out um, for obvious reasons, but I think they were on a good path with him. I think Corey, uh, was really looking good in this season. Uh, like, you know, just like he, he, I mean, obviously we know that in real life he wasn't doing well, but it looked like he, he was really getting there as an actor. I think, Mm -hmm. I think as a performer, like he was really finding himself and a lot of these early numbers with him, especially in the breakup were like some of the best things he's ever done in the show. So that was a lot of fun. Him standing up to Sue was a lot of fun along the way and him just, you know, finding his voice and finding himself apart from Rachel, apart from Quinn. It was just him focused on himself. No Kurt around either. It was just him and his future. Um, And of course, you know, also tied into Will a little bit as that's two characters that were really tied in together as Finn was, you know, following in Will's footsteps to probably end up becoming a teacher one day, you know, of his own Glee Club. So uh, it was easy to see where they were going and where Finn, you know, would have ended up. But um, that's that. That's, uh, that's, That's those two. So Finn and Will, and then let's see who else do we have here. We have Emma with two gold stars in the season. Not really a whole lot to say there, but uh, Emma's always good for at least one or two gold stars in a season. I mean, she was here to get kissed by Finn. That was it. She was, yes. Uh, We've got Sue with one gold star. Sue was a a little bit quieter this season, I guess. She also got one last season. Uh, She's, you know, she's always there, but I guess... At the, you know, at, at this time, you know, with the whole thing about her and Becky, who Becky is going to have two gold stars in the season. So uh, she, <laughs> Becky beating Sue out for the gold star count. That's funny. The two of them obviously were still following their relationship and then Sue taking the punishment for the uh, for Becky and going off to teach that uh, workout class was was something. Yeah, Sue really was um, a new kind of Sue this year. Um, and then all of a sudden taking the fall for Becky at the end 
like what a what a shocker! I thought that they were about to write her off the show. I was like, really? We're about to like lose Sue Sylvester? Like, what the hell? Who's gonna be the new villain? But yeah, I uh, I I feel like Sue definitely has had better moments on the show. I think she was even nominated for an Emmy for this season, which I find surprising. Um, but definitely a bit more, a bit less Sue than usual. Yeah, luckily we'll have Sue for the entire six seasons. So, uh, you know, especially as season six comes about, season six is very Sue heavy. So that'll be fun whenever we get there. And she is in season five, you know, just plenty. So um, Mm -hmm. still plenty more to come with that. And, you know, without Sue around, uh, without Will around much this season, we didn't really see much Will versus Sue, which is like the core of this show in a way, you know, like one of the cores of this show, one of the many cores. Is that even possible to have many cores? Um, but it's obviously a pivotal part in the series. And to see Sue transition into feuding with Finn, I thought was a lot of fun. So that uh, ended up working out pretty well. And we'll quickly just touch on a couple of these one star people. Uh, any final thoughts on Brody with one star, Lord Tubbington with one star, Isabel <laughs> with one star? Oh, hell, Lord Tubbington. Yes. No, I mean, I don't think anything out of what we said, like when we gave them, well, when I gave the gold star to Isabel and to Brody, I just, I think that they sat, they kind of like served their purpose on the show. I was, I was shocked to realize that Isabel was only in three episodes. I don't know why I felt like she was much more present, but I mean, I, I liked the character for what it was. I think that she was written to be liked. And Bro- as far as Brody is concerned, I mean, him being a sex worker, I kind of wish that that was a little bit more presented you know like i wish that we had found out a little sooner i feel like it'd have been a lot more interesting if we knew before even santana knew like if they had showed us scenes of him lying to rachel and then santana comes in and tries to tell rachel i feel like that would have been a much more uh interesting story to watch but um he like i said before he helps rachel sort of mature and grow up so i i enjoyed that Yes, I'm a Brody fan as well, obviously, as that one gold star was for me. Um, I'm also a Lord Tubbington fan, even though that star was from you. So look at him (laughs) finally making his way on the board. And of course, Isabel was uh, a nice shining spot in this season as she was just the fairy godmother to Kurt and uh, everybody in New York, helping Santana along on the way, helping Rachel in the makeover episode and just, you know, approving of that late night uh, sneak in that they did to, you know, the to Vogue.com's headquarters and, you know, trying on all those clothes. So she was um, a lot of fun, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> stopping by the Glee set. Uh, that was good. So that's that. That's uh, the characters that all got gold stars. Sorry, Coach Beast and Bert Hummel. I see you on my list down here at the bottom with nothing on the season, but uh, it's okay. I'm sure, sure they'll come again. Uh, let me quickly run down the total gold stars, as I promised, and then we'll start to transition to something else. We have, as I mentioned, Santana, Rachel, and Kurt at the very top with 16 each. Followed behind them at the next level is Quinn. Quinn's still hanging towards the top with 14 gold stars, followed right behind by her Cheerios teammate Brittany S. Pierce with 12. Underneath them, we've got Mercedes and Sue Sylvester tied with 9. Under there, we have Sam, Emma, Finn tied with 8 each. The next tier is going to be Blaine and Tina, which is a fitting pair, tied with six each. And then we have Artie, Coach Beast, and Bert Hummel tied with five each. And I'll stop after the fours. Uh, We have Jake Puckerman, Becky Jackson, and Noah Puckerman all tied with four gold stars each. And then under there, you have a couple of other characters that uh, all have three, but still more room to grow. Will Schuster down there with uh, all the three. (laughs) Fuck Will Schuster. (laughs) Um, and he's and probably no surprises there, right? I think that all kind of lines up with uh, 
what yeah, we would expect. I feel like that kind of checks out. Yeah, Quinn's still hanging around at the top. Yeah, that Love yeah that that it. one's a bit of a surprise. I'm surprised that no one else has been able to, especially since this is an entire season without her. You know. Yeah. But but yeah. like I it, this but at the same time this is the first season without her, and it's also the first season of a new a lot of new characters, and they're not going to get like a bunch of gold stars yet. And the ones that already do have gold stars are just getting higher. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'll be interested to... I feel like Quinn is probably going to remain in the top five, even with three seasons of her not being a main character. I hope so. Um, There are people that I could see overtaking her. Uh, Brittany is, you know, crawling her way up there. Mercedes with nine could find her way closer and closer. So I hope that Quinn stays at least in, you know, top six or seven. Um, I feel like we can we can do that, but hopefully, you know, not just because we want to see it happen. Who knows? We love Quinn. Um, And then what else? Uh, No other surprises really down at the bottom with uh, Unique has three. I see her in there. I see Will with three. Kitty and Ryder with two two but you know they still have time and then a whole bunch of people down at the bottom with one marley marley what are you doing down there with one gold star come on give us something to work with here uh hey i'm not ashamed (laughs) of that at all yeah so let's talk uh quickly also about our slushy ratings for this season so of course at the end of the season i take all of our individual slushy ratings and get an average of what we liked the most and the best. Just get get an average of what the slushy rating is for the season. Uh, to walk back a little bit, I'll tell you guys what we had in previous seasons. For season one, Amon's average rating was a 1.4. Mine was a 1.6. For season two, Amon's was a 0.9. Mine was a 1. So obviously we liked season two better than one. Uh, Amon's for season three was a 0.86 to be specific, and mine was a 0.9. So uh, that tells you that we liked season two. I mean, sorry, season three better than season two, better than season one by the math. Where do you think, Amon, that season four fits into that? We had three, two, one. Where do you think season four fits in? It's probably, probably three, two, one, four, because there was an episode that we both rated pretty poorly and I'm sure that that fucked the average up. And I think just in general, there were some episodes that we were sort of like on the fence about. I think that happened a lot more frequently than any other seasons because of the fact that, you know, the stories are kind of all over the place this season and having to deal with two different, both McKinley and New York. So it wouldn't surprise me if this overall average is like maybe a, maybe a two, 1.75. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a little high. Um, no, uh, luckily, well, I'll get to the number in a second. Uh, the, the, we, you were talking about that episode that we both rated pretty high. That also happened in season one. So it was. Uh, I was surprised to uh, see things play out the way that they did. Uh, I'll tell you that you, for this season, had an average rating of 1.2, and I had a 1.4. So still lining up with the same way that we uh, rate that you're usually the better or the nicer greater than I am. So for the fourth season in a row, yours is a little bit lower, but that puts us both at uh, three, two, four, one. Mm, Interesting. We enjoyed four more than one. The reason that we pretty much got to that, I'll tell you, is because season four, each of us had five episodes that were rated zero slushies. We had, I'll tell you the specific ones, The New Rachel, episode one, The Breakup, episode four, 
Glee Actually, episode 10. I do episode 14. And then All or Nothing, episode 22. This was the first time that you and I gave every zero slushy rating. Both of us, like any time that you gave zero slushies, I also gave zero slushies. So that's the first time that we both agreed on every time a zero was given out. Um, but having those five zero slushy episodes is pretty much what kept that average down. Whereas in season one, you only gave out two Zero Slushy episodes, and I only gave out one. So uh, season four definitely had a lot more episodes that we consider perfect than season one did when they were you know, still finding their legs. Interesting that we uh, lined up so much on these ones this time around. But I don't regret any of those after you listing them off. I think that those were some pretty strong, or some pretty strong episodes. So, And I, I forgot just how many Zero Slushies we did give, so that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, season three, uh, I gave out six and you gave out six. So this season, we only gave out five each. Uh, Season two, you gave out five, I gave out four. So I'm not surprised uh, to see like more zero slushy ratings as we go here, because I feel like when they do, you know, the more characters that we know, the more room that this show has to grow, like they're going to hit the things that they want to hit, like the points, the breakup, the premiere, the finale, like this is the first time a premiere and a finale both got, you know, a solid zero from us. So uh, they know what they're doing. The Christmas episode, I gave a zero slushy to a Christmas episode. They know what they're doing at this point. So uh, they, they really landed a lot of these different spots. And obviously they landed it for both of us, which, you know, ended up uh, with, with those low ratings. So I thought that that was uh it made a lot of sense to me looking back in the numbers. I'm glad we track it in this way because it's, uh, you know, it, it makes sense, I think, uh, to, to look mm-hmm. back on and see all of that. You gave yep. two slushy ratings of 0.5 to episodes that I did not give a 0.5 to. And I thought I'd call those out because you had more love for Thanksgiving and guilty pleasures than I did. Oh, I love Thanksgiving. I just love the alumni coming back and interacting with everybody. That was so mm-hmm. cool. And Guilty Pleasures you were a big fan of? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the music in Guilty Pleasures, I think there's two songs. And, oh, that's kind of a spoiler. Oh, whatever. I think there's two songs in my top ten that are from the Guilty Pleasures episode. So, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And then I had two episodes that I gave a .5 rating to that you did not. Uh, you gave a little bit higher to uh, Feud, which is episode 16, and Naked, which is episode 12. So those were nearly perfect for me. And uh, Amon gave them a little bit higher. So, you know. That uh, we kind of, you know, when we when we combine to uh, put our slushy ratings together, they still end up on the lower end of the spectrum. So I'll also quickly just run through that for anybody that cares. We had those five episodes that were all a combined zero slushy. The next tier underneath that is uh, two episodes that had a combined 1.5 slushy from the both of our ratings. That was Naked and Guilty Pleasures. So that makes sense. Uh, underneath that, we have a Britney 2.0, Dynamic Duets, Thanksgiving, and Feud, which all got, which uh, they got two slushies each from the combined ratings. And then, uh, you know, all the episodes from there, we have, I, I can go in order. Uh, Diva, The Role You Were Born to Play, Glee, Girls and Boys on Film, Sweet Dreams, Lights Out, all around the three, three and a half. Sadie Hawkins got a four, Makeover, and Swan Song got four and a half. Wonderful. Towards the very end of this with five slushies and then Shooting Star down at the very bottom with eight slushies combined. Mm, that Shooting Star episode, man. Interesting. Very interesting. There's this guy that, um, I forget his name, but he's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. He provides commentary um, on Glee on YouTube. 
Um, and I just saw that he, I, th- I think he just watched the Shooting Star episode. So I'm going to be interested to see how he feels about it. Because the thumbnail shows him like crying while watching. So I wonder like how he feels about like the overall messaging. And if it, mm-hmm. if it, if it's different now, having watched, like watching Glee, because I think he's watching Glee for the first time in the year 2020. So I'll be interested to check that out. That's why as shooting star, you know, we talked a lot about it at the time, but when you're saying he's crying, uh, I was, you know, getting emotional as well. And that's why I gave it the four slushies rather than giving it the five slushies because they pulled that mm-hmm. emotion out of me. And it, uh, it really, you know, it, it gave me something to feel. But the message alongside of that being all mixed up with everything else that they were doing in that episode with Will and Coach Beast and just everything else was just, you know, it was it was a little strange. So Shooting Star officially becomes our least favorite episode of the series, uh, passing Acafellas, which got uh, seven slushies in season one. So Shooting Star takes that trophy. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly does. So that's the episodes. That's our slushy ratings. So just to recap, we had, uh, if you're looking at the overall arc of the slushy ratings, season three is our favorite. Season two followed very close behind, very, very close behind. Uh, Season four with a little bit of a gap up next, and then season one with a very small gap between seasons four and season one. So that's that. But of course, we still have one more segment to get into here. It's time to hear all about our favorite songs from this season. And Aman was telling me before that he had a little bit of a harder time this season, narrowing narrowing it down. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. So without further ado... Aman will uh, kick us off, as is tradition, with uh, his top 10 favorite songs from season four. Okay, so, yeah, this one was hard, because like we said at the top of the show, season four has a lot to offer, so it was really hard. I might have a few honorable mentions after I'm done listing, but I'll just get right into it. Number 10, Beauty School Dropout. Um, This is one of my favorite Blaine solos, and I gotta give the musical theater some love um, in this season. Uh, because sometimes, you know, as Glee has gone on, I feel like the musical theaterness of it all sort of gets kind of gets just condensed into the school musical, and then we don't really get much afterwards. You know what I mean? Especially, which which I found really surprising, since this is the season where they go to New York, and she's literally in school for theater. So you think that we would get a lot more, but it's not. We don't really get a lot after Grease. But I think that Blaine sounds really, really dreamy on it. I also just love. Uh, the context of the show as well and him catching Kurt's eye while he's singing and having to like finish the in, the rest of the number you know with all of that on his mind or on his heart um he was a he was a baby back bitch this season but this episode was good for him or this song rather um number nine uh, Copacabana I love this song y'all I know it's a cheesy one um but I just love that Sam loves it uh, I love that he Got one of those uh, those jackets to perform into, and then everybody was up there uh, jamming with him. I just, it's such a Sam song to like, and I, I enjoy it just as much as he does. It's a lot of fun. Number eight, come see about me. Now this is influenced a lot by, I don't know if I've, I think I've talked about this before, and. Um, when I used to work at an orthodontist office and I was in charge of the music in the waiting room and he only, my the, the person running the office, he only wanted uh, Motown. So I would get tired of shit. So I would like put the uh, Glee versions of Motown show- songs on and this was one of the songs that would play. So I've really taken a liking to it over, a couple, over the past couple of years because I hear it almost every day. But I mean, I love Quinn's voice. I think that Quinn's voice, I, I think that putting Diana Agron on 
a lot of the older songs is what because that's usually what they do. Like they gave her this, they gave her "Keep Me Hanging On," they gave her "Say a Little Prayer," they gave her the the Michael Jackson song. Like I, it's, there's just something about the small quality to her voice that matches that genre of music pretty well. Um, and the fact that she's performing it with the Unholy Trinity in front of all the girls and everything, it's just like, it's, it just, it's waxing nostalgia. Number six. Is that number? No, number seven. Number seven? Seven. Wait. Yeah. Number seven. (laughs) Don't dream it's over. Now there are a lot of New Directions number this season. This is one of my favorites. I love the fact that they're just, uh, singing in the snow and, you know, they thought that the Glee Club was going to be done for the year, but they all couldn't say no, and they all agreed to come and um, perform outside. Um, I think Finn sounds great on this song, and I hadn't heard this song. It's a pretty popular song, and I hadn't heard it until Glee. Um, so thank you for introducing that to me. Number six, New York State of Mind. I listened to this cover, like over and over and over again after the premiere episode i just loved it so much i just loved it was like the it was rachel's first performance in season four uh you know hot off the presses now in new york city and i just thought it really put her mark in niata and it was great that marley was right there along with her um i just think that they both sound so great on it uh number five three Yes, bitch. Yay. Yes. The Britney episode. I mean, there were plenty of contenders. I had to temper myself um, from putting more uh, uh, Britney 2.0 songs in here. But this particular instrumentation is really good. And of course, I got to give my my guy Joe some love here. Those harmonies were so tight. They really killed it. Good for them. Number four. Wait, do I have? Wait, I think I might have. 11 on this list because wait wait one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven i do oh, oh man I, I have to get rid of one of them okay well you know what everything just gets ratcheted up so beauty school dropout is out it's dropped out <laughs> oh my goodness snuck in more than one more than 10 that's against your I, rules not mine I, it is it is but that's it's an honorable mention <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I did that. I was like, this is not matching up. Okay, but anyway. Okay, this is number four now. Yeah, number four. I think five. No, number five. Yeah, number five. Number five. Number five. <laughs> Mamma Mia. <laughs> this is the second song from the Yoti Pleasures episode. I love this song. It's so, it's just, I mean, it's ABBA, right? Like, it's it's so catchy and so, like, just... I, I just love it. I love the fact that it starts off slow with Rachel and the um, NYC trio in the apartment. And then we get these really campy costumes with uh, the New Directions. And the choreography is so wacky and cool. And they get these hula hoops and everything. They just they sound really, really good together. All of them just sound great together. Um, so, yeah. I just Mama Mia always cheers me up when I hear it. Number four. Give your heart a break, baby. Similarly to three, I just think that this particular instrumentation and arrangement is to die for. I think Rachel sounds amazing. Brody sounds amazing. Um, I love that there's a bit of like an acoustic feel to it um, because you can still hear like the happenings of the bar as they're singing it. And I've always kind of like liked that. It didn't feel so produced to me. It kind of felt a little bit more raw. And, you know, considering what's going on in the episode, I think that it was the perfect song, obviously. Lots of foreshadowing here. But yeah, just... 
just amazing just amazing number three another brody and rachel duet creep um i thought that this was the song that matt and i were going to connect over but alas mm. i was left out in the cold but it's fine you were. because <laughs> i was first well whatever um it was <laughs> This is a good. This is a good cover. Um, I love this song. I think that Rachel sounds amazing on the last chorus in, into the bridge. It's just so good, so good, so good. I can't say enough good things about it. Wait, you know what? I lied. I did have a top ten. I have a song on here twice. That's what was fucking me up. Okay, everything is just fucked up here. <laughs> this is so bad. This is the most messy I have ever been. Okay. Don't worry, guys. I'm ready to go. So I guess... Okay, hold on. Okay. 10, Beauty School Dropout. 9, Copacabana. 8, Come See About Me. 7, Don't Dream It's Over. 6, New York State of Mind. 5, 3, 4, Mamma Mia. 3, Give Your Heart a Break. 2, Creep. Number 1, Mine. I... I mean, I gushed over the song when we talked about it in... That episode for the breakup, um, replacement level. I don't need the Taylor Swift version. The Taylor Swift version sounds horrible compared to this. So heartfelt. Like, the fact that Heather Morris was actually crying in a scene and not acting. Uh, I just, I mean, the way that Naya emotes on this song is just so good, y'all. It's just, you can't. Uh, I'm, like, getting a, a slight bit emotional here just thinking you know because we unfortunately lost Naya a few weeks ago and it's just uh this this performance will always be one of my favorites it might it might be her strongest I don't know we'll have to talk about it once we're done but this song right here is the song that I listen to the most from season four because it's just so beautifully sung so beautifully and there you have it all right, hard to argue with uh, with your number one and uh, some. There's uh, some crossover, not not much, but there's some. So that's it. Top ten. That's it. No, no more. <laughs> oh well. Okay. So honorable mentions. I was a big fan of the numbers that the New Directions boys and girls sang at the Sadie Hawkins dance. I think the girls absolutely killed "Locked Out of Heaven." Um, I think the boys absolutely killed "No Scrubs." honorable mentions to both uh i only have eyes for you and your song sang by Ryder. those are very well done obviously i'll give a little bit of love to the spice girls for wannabe and the mashup that sue and sue the mashup that um well yeah the mashup that sue and blaine did and the mashup that finn and will did those were also pretty good um and there was one more that is escaping me right now but it'll, it'll pop up but yeah i just wanted to to shout those ones out because those were some standouts in particular as well all right so there's Amon's top 10 11 10 11 10 uh for the season sorry i just gotta keep making fun of you all right sounds good i of course have um a top 10 which is padded by a top 20 that you guys can get over or you can skip ahead or you can listen uh your choice i don't really care um sorry just kidding i love you all so Starting at the bottom, I'll kind of breeze through these as fast as I can uh, with the bottom 10. Number 20, I have This Is The New Year, The New Directions. Amon talked about, you know, there's a bunch of New Directions closing number songs. I think that was one of my favorite. I think it's the, my favorite out of the ones on this list. So yeah, This Is The New Year. Number 19, Centerfold Hot In Here. The mashup with Sam and all the New Directions boys was so much fun and uh, wanted to show it some love. I, I love that one. 
Another mashup at number 18, Bye 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 and I Want It That Way. The Will and Finn showdown was so much fun seeing Will there with the uh, Blaine and Jake behind him with the strings like, the you know, perfectly. That was that was so much fun with the dancing and everything. So I love that. 17, one that is sneaking back up on me, um, Nutbush City Limits. I'm surprised that wasn't in your top 10. Uh, It was almost up there, but yeah, it just got edged out by a few. Mm-hmm. So Nutbush City Limits is one that I have never been super high on because I, I think I talked about it in that episode. I like I didn't know the song and I guess I just never gave it the attention that it obviously deserves, but I have been lately and it's crawling up the list for me. So uh, hard to rewatch that without being like, oh my God, look at her go. Nutbush City Limits. Uh, number 16 is We've Got Tonight, Rachel and Finn in the wedding episode. Of course, it's not just them. It's them for the most part. And then as all the other couples join them in the hotel, in the their separate hotel rooms, they kind of join in on the song, and uh, I really, really enjoy that one. Number 15, um, Rediscovery Upon Rewatch, Dress You Up, The Bitch Is Back. I freaking love it. I am so hooked on it lately. I can't stop thinking about it. Like, Ryder and Unique, they sound so good together, and that number, that mashup is so good. Um, sadly, didn't make the top 10. Number 14, Jake Puckerman, Let Me Love You. That is a classic. I love it so much. I don't know if it's a classic, but I really like it. I love Jake's <laughs> voice on that one. 13, I love Santana's voice on this one, but it's still going to miss the top 10. Girl on Fire, as she leaves Ohio and heads to New York. Uh, she kills it on that one. Girl on Fire is great. Number 12 is Jake again, this time with Marley. Uh, a Thousand Years. I really, really enjoy that cover as well. Um, number 11 was in your top 10. It is Joe, Tina, and Sam doing three. Just missed my top 10, but I have the same love for it that you do. So I'm glad that we both had that up there. It's just, it's so good. Tina sounds incredible on that. Like so good. And Joe as well. So. Yeah. It so does. good. So good. So my top 10. I'll start down with number 10. That's how it's supposed to do it, right? Number 10 is a mashup by Jake and Marley from very early on in the season, Brittany 2.0, Crazy, You Drive Me Crazy. Their voices are so nicely blended together on that one, and I really, really enjoy it. Um, it's just the first time that they sing together, and it, before Jake is, you know, Jake's still too cool for the Glee Club at that point, and then, you know, it ends with the corny little him giving her the jacket, but um, I'm a big fan of that mashup. I go back to it a lot. Number nine, Blaine Anderson, Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now. Him and uh, the, the piano singing, you know, pff, that song ended up, you know, being about Sam, essentially. Uh, Sam being his guilty pleasure. So, uh, Take a Look at Me Now. Uh, you coming back to me is against all odds. It's a chance I got. Uh, it's so good. I love that one a lot. Number eight was on your list. It is Give Your Heart a Break, Rachel and Brody. Big fan of all of the songs in The Breakup, and uh, this will not be the only one on my list. So give your heart a break, like you mentioned. Uh, they sound incredible on it, and it's just, like I think you said this at the time, I abused the hell out of this one as well. Uh, this cover was so good, and still is to this day. Number seven is the one that I was left hanging for. Give your heart, a, uh, not give your heart a break, uh, How to Be a Heartbreaker. So we go from giving your heart a break to uh, breaking it. How to Be a Heartbreaker with Brody and a little bit of Rachel in there as well. I talked about that, how much I loved this song at the time. My friends and I <laughs> were just obsessed over it. And I was surprised that I didn't, I couldn't get it higher on my list. I had to leave it at seven. But uh, How to Be a Heartbreaker is just 
so much fun and I will always have a soft spot for it in my heart. So that's that. Number six, from the breakup, we have Don't Speak with Kurt, Blaine, Rachel, and Finn. Uh, Hard to go wrong with any of the breakup songs, so uh, I don't think I really have to explain that a whole lot. Don't Speak is so much, so much fun. Uh, Not fun, but it's like so good. Uh, You know, the water fountain, and then they get into the beds and just are very dramatically singing to the cameras. That's all good. Number five, Some Nights. I can't emphasize enough how much I love Some Nights. It is, you know, all red, all the char- all the characters of the New Directions are, you know, in red walking around the stage and it turns into like this dramatic performance where like everybody is playing a different like like they're telling like a little bit of a story. There's, you know, just a lot of character moments that are kind of wor- uh, like weaved in and out of there. Uh, some good solo moments from characters like Joe, from Kitty, from Marley, from Jake, from Blaine, from everybody gets a little spot in there. And that song, I've always loved it. And then when Glee covered it and did an incredible job with it, it's number five for me. Number four, the alumni coming back on Thanksgiving and giving us homeward bound slash home, uh, the mashup that people forget is even a mashup. I can't say enough good things about it. Quinn leading us off there, then with Puck and Santana and Mike Chang and Finn. Am I forgetting anybody? Um, I feel like I am. Mercedes. Of course, Mercedes as well. Uh, Everybody's Mm -hmm. home for the holidays and the six of them combined to just sing this beautiful song on the stage that just melts my heart every time I listen to it. Number three, from the breakup. The Scientist. Of course. I can't believe you didn't have The Scientist. Um, but it's fine. I, I really tried to temper myself. I was like, I don't want to... I, I don't want to um, put too many breakup songs in here because I already had two. And I was like, what, which which ones are the ones you listen to the most? And it was those two. And I stopped myself at two. I mean, I didn't want to have the whole thing being breakup songs, but I, I didn't make the season. I mean, I know. I just feel like we gave them so much love during this during the uh, episode. So I was just like, yeah, they, they get it. They know that I love this shit. Yeah. All right. So the scientist comes in at number three with all the different couples that had just broken up. You know, all eight of them across the stage. And uh, if you don't love the scientist, what are you watching the show for? Uh, number two. This, I like ranking these breakup songs was, it felt like an impossible task, but I did it. I pulled it out. Of course, these uh, top two are going to be number one, Santana singing mine and number two, Blaine singing Teenage Dream, both from the same episode. Teenage Dream is uh, coming in at number two because... As much as I love Blaine, I got to give it to Santana with the top spot. But Blaine and this performance, like, I just could not ever begin to cover how, like, how incredible I thought it was at the time and every day since then. Uh, the You know, the first time that we heard him sing live rather than, you know, doing the lip syncing. Uh, there's, you know, w- one of two times in this season, Teenage Dream with all the emotion he put into that number and just everything about it is incredible. So that's my number two. And then everything you just said about mine and Santana, uh, it's got to be my number one. So we have matching number ones on a season, probably for the first time, uh, but it makes sense with this song. It's just the emotional performance of a lifetime and everything you said, like I said, I echo. So that's my top a lot yay that makes me happy (laughs) happy 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 so that's it that's that's our top songs for the season i'm sure this isn't the last time that you will hear us talk about our favorite songs from season four because we just talked about our favorite songs from seasons one two and three as well so i'm sure we're going to do that again uh either after season probably after season six i think um we'll figure out 
all of that as we go. But that's it for season four. We're about to move forward into season five. Um, if you guys want any of these, like, you know, what you want to see the list in front of you, if you want me to send you a screenshot, if you want me to send you anything with the slushy ratings or the stars, happy to do so. Uh, just slide into our DMs on Twitter at Choir Room Pod and we can work that out. But yeah, we're on our way to season five with some new stuff happening in New York, some new stuff happening at McKinley. And uh, we have so much more to get into. We're getting closer to the end, and I'm sure you guys are all feeling the, uh, oh, no, it's, is it almost over? Uh, we are, too, but we still have more to go, and we're going to have fun doing it, right? Yes. It's been a really, really fun summer doing all of this stuff. And we still have two months left of summer, mostly. So I wonder if that'll be like, I wonder if we'll be done by then. Like, at the end of summer, we'll be done. It's probably because what 20 episodes that's at least 20 days and then 13 more so yeah that's yeah that sounds about right i have a birthday somewhere in there i don't know if i'm uh how much time am i giving you on my birthday birthday is coming up wait 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 don't tell me don't tell me i think i remember i think i remember i want to say it's i want to say it's august 11th nope i'm usually really good with birthdays uh close enough uh you were six days off oh so is it the i feel like it's in the Teens, sixth or the seventeenth. If it's the fifth, my birthday's in three days. Oh shit! Wait, the Big Brother premieres on your birthday? No, I said if it's the fifth, my birthday's in three days, and uh, you wouldn't have even mentioned it at all lately. It's the seventeenth. Okay, all right. Well, I'll be sure to make a big fanfare out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what we have here for season four. Do you have any final thoughts? As uh, we completely close the book here and never talk about season four ever, ever, ever again. Um, no, it was a it was a good ride. I enjoyed um, season four for the most part. I'm just you know excited to see what happens in season five. I feel like I'm not entering season five with as much gusto, but I do. I am excited for for a specific era of season five because I think that's some of the strongest glee in like the later season. So I'm excited to see how you feel about those particular batch, that, that batch of episodes. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I don't remember feeling like I love it as much, but there's so many different things about it that I just like as much, like as many times as I've watched the show, it's just seasons four through five don't stick with you in the way that one, two and three do where I can like recall so many things that happened in any of the episodes from the first three seasons, but less so in the last three. So Looking forward to it. Um, of course, we have you know some tough episodes to come up to with the uh, not the breakup the uh, the quarterback is coming up, so that'll be you know a lot to, to get into there. And then Glee 100 is coming up, so that's a little bit more fun. Um, so yeah, season five does have a lot of stuff to talk about. So if you guys are uh, you know looking forward to it, hopefully you are. Uh, let us know with maybe some ratings and reviews. Of course, that's the best way to uh, help us out by continuing to listen and get more people listening in on the podcast. We thank you guys, or at least I thank you guys so much before Amon gets into all the plugs for uh, all of, well, we both thank you uh, for listening and enjoying everything, hopefully, uh, up until this point in season four. It has been quite the journey here in quarantine as we are breezing through this show, but uh, we couldn't be happier to do so. Yes. I think that's going to wrap up this episode of The Choir Room. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. Also, individually, I'm Adam on Adwin. Matt is at Matt Ligori. Leave us star ratings and reviews, please. Anywhere that you get your podcast, we'll read them aloud on the show. And anything else, Matt? 
That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm so sad. It's over. No, there's so much more to go. I'm excited. We'll get there. We'll have fun. Let's do it. We'll see you guys then. All right. See you guys in season five.